Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we're with Michael, our resident physiologist, and I'm Matt Till in the suburban sprawl of Chicago, Illinois. And today we have uh, something special. Uh, Michael was actually a special guest on another podcast recently, and we're going to have an opportunity to replay that on the topic of really this notion of the importance of theology in discipling your kids. Now, Michael, that sounds like kind of scary, the word theology. I know, doesn't it? It it can be intimidating to parents to think that um, there's there's some aspect of theology in how we engage our children with the topics of the Bible and and so on. And so, yeah, I was happy to be on a podcast with Kyle Bartholik, who's the pastor of discipleship at Christ Community Church in Ames, Iowa. And uh, we had a wonderful time talking about uh, that role that theology plays in discipling our children, but also trying to take the fear out of it. I mean, I mean, it's one thing for people like us who have been trained theologically to talk about theology with our, our children. Uh, for others, it, it can be a little bit intimidating. Well, I can't wait for us to be able to listen in and dig in this material with you. So without further delay, here is Michael's interview. Now, um, again, for you, for me, we have advanced theology degrees. Uh, Adelaide sits down at the counter with me and we can talk about the, the evidence, right? The, the logical argumentation of the, of the resurrection. We can talk, you know, and, uh, but if I'm a, if I'm a parent and I, and I don't, I don't have an advanced theology, you know, theological degree. Um, but it's still just as important to be able to know what I believe so that I can have those conversations in those moments so that Christianity can be taught or caught, not just necessarily taught. So, so if I'm a parent and I don't have this advanced theology degree, how do I, you know, Michael, what are some, what are some practical steps, uh, or how am I supposed to teach theology to my kids when I I don't even, before this episode, I couldn't even define what theology was. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, the the first answer to that, of course, is to attend a church, find a good uh, theologically sound church like uh, what you have there in Ames, um, and, and that's a that's an important starting place. But I think too to yeah. to even go more deeply and be involved in a community because again, theology isn't done in isolation, uh, yeah. and it's best done in a community where you're wrestling through these things together, um, and then and then. I, you know, as I think about um, theology and and places to start, I, I always think that the starting spot is God. You know, mm-hmm. we need to have a really good understanding of who He is, yeah. and um, and so you know, pick up a good uh, theology text on uh, the doctrine of God, mm-hmm. um, or a couple different ones to, yeah. to uh, grow in your personal understanding of who He is. Um, and yeah, so I, I mean, those are good, good, uh, starting places. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, again, as you mentioned, the, the first place to go is the local church, right. Um, is that, you know, we need to be in and we need to be plugged in faithfully into the, the local church. It's, it's what God has given us. It's a global movement. It's not just in the, in the West. 
Um, and, you know, we see in Hebrews, right, they uh, do not forsake meeting together, this idea. Now, that didn't mean, uh, in that context, that did not mean colossal buildings, right. large gathered worship. It, it, it really meant, it meant community, small home churches. And so, so um, but, but faithfully being a part of that kind of community. And we yeah, even see in Acts, in, in early Acts, right? Acts chapter two, what are, what are the early disciples, the early church, what are they doing? Well, they're, they're devoting themselves to the apostles teaching. Uh, they're writing new songs. They're singing hymns. They're, they're sharing in the Lord's Supper. So they're doing these rhythmic things that we do at church. And that's how we, we kind of come to, why do we do what we do at church? And we, we, it comes out of the scriptures. And, um, and so I think you're, you're right. I know I appreciate that. And for with, just even watching that over the years of, of knowing you, you know, almost what it's been 16 years now that we've known each mm-hmm. other um, and watching that in your life of being pursuing and connect. You have, you could go anywhere, right? You, you could watch any service online that you want. And yet I know that you've consistently been plugged into the local church, wherever you've been. And so um, I've appreciated that in your life. And just even your answer, how do I do this as a parent when I don't have a, a, an advanced degree? the first place is a local church, you know? Um, and so, so that's, that's encouraging and uh, it's a great first step. Now I've heard it said this way. And, and, um, you know, that when I read one author, I become a clone. Uh, when I read two authors, I become confused. And when I read 10,000, I become informed. (laughs) So again, you, you know, as you said, Hey, pick up, pick up a theology text. What might be, is, is there a book on your mind that would say, Hey, this is a great, dip your toes into the, into, into, you know, deeper, deeper realms of theology. Um, and, and for you, Michael, as, as a lifelong learner, um, what are, what are, what's the importance of having voices that kind of challenge you or, uh, or even maybe rub you the wrong way as you are, are learning and growing? Well, I, you know, the two books come immediately to mind in terms of uh, d- dipping your toes into the theological waters. One is uh, one that was so informative in my life as a young Christian, uh, but also as as I grew in my faith. Uh, but J.I. Packer's Knowing God. It's a classic text. Yeah. Um, that has been made more accessible. Uh, that now I remember when I read it, boy, um, I thought I understood it, but uh, was thoroughly confused by it just because of the the language. But um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's much more accessible th- these days. So I, I'd pick up that. That's a wonderful book about who God is yeah. and really understanding, uh, you know, our relationship to Him, but His sovereignty, His His awesomeness. His Majesty, uh, and and those things are are critically important. And then I I would put that book alongside of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's classic um, discipleship book. Uh, the English title, um, uh, or the early English title, was the Cost of Discipleship, and mm. that was a title that the publisher gave to it, and it wasn't <laughs> the title of Bonhoeffer's book. But Bonhoeffer originally wrote uh, the book. It was just simply called Discipleship. Yeah. And today's uh, translations of it, uh, the the good I would suggest the good translations of it, just use the title discipleship, mm-hmm. and I I'd, I'd read that. Um, I love where he goes with his understanding of Christ, and yeah. his understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, because if we don't if we don't get that part right in our own lives, 
then it, it's very difficult to teach our our uh, children how to be disciples of Christ. Yeah. And uh, what I love, especially about Bonhoeffer, is how much of an emphasis he has on not just simply believing in Jesus, th- that's critical, mm-hmm. but living like Jesus lived. Mm. And and it's and it's for children. This is so important. And parents, yeah. you you all know this. That you can tell your children a thousand times to do something, and they might not get it until they actually see what it looks like for that thing to be done. Uh, it's the same in discipleship. Um, yeah. it, we might teach our children a thousand times that this is what Jesus said, but until they see us living that out. Uh, they might not get it. And that's what Bonhoeffer really focuses on in his book on discipleship is not just the believing, but the behaving uh, like Jesus. So those two books, I think, are yeah. are uh, wonderful uh, texts to read side by side um, to help in, in uh, your own personal growth yeah. in uh, theology and discipleship. That's uh, that's so helpful. I know a text that I stumbled upon, I think, early years at Trinity was Alistair McGrath's Knowing Christ. Mm. And just a, a not a not a crazy long read uh, and not even a, a deeply technical read, uh, but just a really good um, assessment of who Jesus is, what we believe, what we foundationally believe in the scriptures teach about about Christ and about who Jesus is. And so, um, yeah, that's yeah. that's I appreciate that. You know, and a second question again was, uh, you know, what what is the importance or the role that for voices that you don't agree with, right? That might rub you the wrong way. Uh, I think the tendency can be, right? We're plugged into a good church. We're in a small group with people that we are, you know, reading the scriptures, studying, praying together. Uh, So we're in that community. Um, Maybe we're pursuing some podcasts. We're listening to, you know, the. the Knowing God podcast. I think that's John John Piper's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, podcast, or the Tim Keller podcast, or um, you know, wh- whatever. Pick pick any big kind of evangelical, you know, uh, 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 theologically centered pastor. You know, you listen to his podcast, or um, and we can get caught in some some echo chambers, right? We can get caught in some of these these worlds that only we only read, listen to, or look at the things that we already agree with. Um, so in your life and experience, how important have been uh, exposing yourself to some voices that challenge your thinking? And, and you may not agree with them to begin with, and you may not agree with them to end you know, the conversation with. Um, but how has that sharpened you in reading those or listening to those voices? Yeah, I mean, I, it, for me, it, because I kind of walk in the academic world, um, mm-hmm. I, I continually put myself in those contexts where, you know, I'm I'm with or listen to or read uh, theologians or academics that I might not necessarily agree with, but they do help yeah. me sharpen my own personal thoughts about a particular issue. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think this is important when we're talking about God and, and about Christ, especially mm-hmm. there are many competing views about who Jesus is and we should be informed by those views. Um, they should challenge us and they should uh, be used to help to strengthen our own personal views of, yeah. of the so yeah and, and even among and this I think this is one of the things that is important for us as we think about what theology is and and uh, how we apply it in our lives is that you know there there are and and this was coming out of the early church there mm-hmm. there have always been theological struggles yeah and uh 
and what I love about the early church and the development of theology was that they would come together and arrive at consensus on what we might call core doctrines of the yeah. church. But they also distinguished those core doctrines from theological opinions uh, yeah. that, that very well-studied uh, theologians would have. Um, yeah. it, the Greek word for this is theologomena. Um, and there were many theological opinions. And so I think it's yeah. important for us to navigate these things uh, between what is a core doctrine and what is a theological opinion. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, those that happens um, not always. I, I mean, there are churches that have uh, different opinions that not all churches hold. Um, I mean, that's why we have uh, something like um, I can't remember how it's in the book that you read. Uh, there, but mm. something like 60,000 different evangelical, or maybe it's 30,000, I don't remember now the number, but 30 to 60,000 different evangelical denominations. Yeah. And it's because there have been disagreements on different theological opinions, yeah. uh, rather than on, you know, core doctrines. And, uh, and so we have to learn how to navigate those, uh, listen to them, because sometimes they're important, but uh, navigate them uh, in a community where you know that there is a, a real grasp of what those core theological doctrines are. You, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate your just your historical perspective on that. And you're right. I think, you know, even when we read the book of Acts, sometimes I think what's helpful when we read the scriptures and we look at the context of the scriptures, we, we begin to understand the timeline, right? How long these these conversations the the scope you know it wasn't just that especially when we look at acts um it's not just that acts x chapter two happens pentecost the the spirit comes down we have this mass you have these mass uh conversions uh you know the early church has rapid growth um you know and then and then by the time you know acts closes it's like two 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 weeks later all right. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we can we can it can feel that way. It can feel that these things happen really quickly. Um, but for the first 10 to 15 years of the early church, one of the biggest debates was the process of salvation. Did you need to convert? You know, if you're a Gentile, do you need to convert um, to to Judaism first before you can then convert to Christianity? That takes that conversation takes. 10 to almost 15 years mm -hmm. or so until, you know, Peter, Peter steps in at the Jerusalem, you know, um, Peter steps yeah. in and then, and then Paul steps in. We have the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15. And, and the, you have these two heavyweight voices that finally say, no, <laughs> you know, Peter has a vision from the Lord Acts chapter. It's uh, Acts chapter 10, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so he has his vision from the Lord and that, that begins to give illumination. And then finally the Jerusalem council in 15 and, and you finally have these voices and they say, no, and so that's a bit of practical theology, right? Um, right. Absolutely. You know, do I need to do this religious thing in order to be connected to Christ? That conversation took 10 plus years. Uh, we don't always think it does, but in the process, even of our own lives, our development is going to take, it's going to take time. And, it, and I think, you know, as you said, um, just having those other voices helps me to see that historical perspective, right? And separate, you know, what is theological opinion versus actually what is core doctrine or core essential belief. And, uh, and, and, then, and then it builds, honestly, I don't know about you, Michael, but it builds in me a, a gracious and generous spirit right. you know, right. to look and say, hey, man, some really, really smart people over the years didn't agree on this stuff. And I'm not nearly as smart as they are. 
So I can be, I can be gracious in this. I happen to know what I believe, but I can be gracious in response to those who might think otherwise or think differently. And, um, you know, and so I think that's important. That's for me, that's been an important part of having other voices that I may not agree with, or I may not jive with. They, they build a graciousness within me when I listen to them and, uh, and walk through. So, yeah, I appreciate that. that. You put that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so important for us to be able to live in, in, in grace and unity with all brothers and sisters. Um, and that grace and unity comes around a, a good understanding of what those core doctrines are uh, that we all agree on and we yeah. have all agreed on for all time uh, everywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. We, when we have to, we have to look at those things, especially when we, when we are assessing, you know, uh, where are we at and what does the church actually believe in those kind of things. That's one of the things I've loved in student ministry when we've taken mission trips. Um, you know, one of the things we've done here at, at Christ Community, we have a, a trip we take to the Baja area in Mexico. And one of the most fundamental and foundational truths that it shows our students and they walk away every single year. Uh, we, we go to church and and we're singing songs. They're singing in Spanish. And a lot of times we know the songs, right? Because they're singing a lot of the same worship songs that we sing. But they're getting they're getting an exposure to the global church. And they're walking away going, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're in a different location. They're in a different context. They speak a different language. But we worship the same God, right? There's something very, there's something very important and grounding to that aspect. And, uh, and again, that's not something you can just sit in a classroom and be taught, you know, uh, that, that's something that has to be, that has to be caught along the way. And we can have those experiences even within, within the States. We don't have to travel internationally to do that, but, um, but uh, yeah, those are, those are important things. Well, thanks for doing theology in community with us today here on the Ephesiology podcast. Uh, you can learn more about Ephesiology and our growing global Ephesiology community at Ephesiology.com. Also, to learn more about um, upcoming courses and even resources for you as a parent uh, as you look to disciple your children in the ways of Jesus and to live on mission. Continue to get other free resources as well for you and your church and your leadership teams. Again, that's found at Ephesiology.com. So for Michael and myself, we'll talk again next week right here on the Ephesiology Podcast.